Fried chicken sandwiches. Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, March fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two. That's Ian. That's me. I'm Pat. On the show today, what are we t- we're talking about? We're talking about um, Reggie Fizemate, addition uh, about his time at GameStop. Uh, Michael Pactor saying PlayStation is doomed. The Kawabunga collection, and a lot more. Ian, how was your weekend? Ooh, my weekend was good. Uh, it was definitely a good weekend. I want to take this opportunity to remind everyone to uh, get their brackets in. Uh, you have until Thursday morning. Get your NCAA bracket in. Don't forget. Ian's big on March Madness. I can't get him to watch an NBA game for the past couple of years for some reason, but he's big into March Madness. Um, so, yeah, get those brackets. Who, who's your favorite? You got a favorite? Uh, I think this year I have... Wasn't like super happy with my bracket, but it's just how it turned out. Uh, I think I have Gonzaga going all the way. Should we do a Pat Rosian bracket? We should. That'd I be mean, fun. I, we, be fun. we always do brackets over at Extra Napkins. We've got 18 people in this year. It's easy to set up. We should probably set up a CU podcast well, one at well, some point. When does it start? Uh, brackets have to be in by Thursday morning. That's kind of late, but let's, we can do a personal one. I don't know. I'm just curious who does better. Is it just websites you do it for free and just put it in? Yeah, I'll send you the link for the extra napkins one since there's lots of competition this year. Okay. Is there money involved? Uh, no, John and I are sending whoever wins a signed basketball because we're uh, sports pros. Okay. Yeah. You um, could have a signed basketball. I saw um, this movie called Margin Call that somehow got into my feed. Um it's on Netflix, thankfully, because when I looked it up uh, last week, it wasn't. And I checked uh, Netflix the past couple of days, and it was on there. Margin Calls, a 2011 movie. Uh, it takes place over 24 hours in an investment firm. It has to do with the housing uh, crash. So it's, it's this fictionalized version of what happened in reality, where over a 24-hour period, they discover the party's over. Um, all our mortgage-backed uh, securities are worthless. we got to be the first to dump this shit. The end is coming. We have to save it. So it's like it's interesting. It's a bunch of great actors: Jeremy Irons, um, uh, Kevin Spacey, um, Demi Moore's in a smaller role. Uh, Simon Baker, who's who's great in The Mentalist. I don't know. See Simon Baker, Baker in anything. He's a great actor. Simon Baker. You know, I don't not, know not who that is. Here. No idea. Um, the guy who played uh, Spock, the, the new Spock, Quinto, uh, is in it. Mm. Um, he's the guy who like puts the numbers in and sees. Oh shit. Uh, Stanley Tucci is a guy who gets fired in the day that he was going to discover. Uh, Stanley, we all love so Stanley. It's a great ensemble. It's movies that don't get put out in theaters that much anymore, where it's just like 90% of the movies in the, the office, where they just like, oh shit, it's all about what do we do about this? And like the end is here, and it's seeing people's various reactions to this happen. Um, great, great movie. Great movie, and I've heard it right. It was a first-time director directing all these like top-end uh, actors in this, and I'm like, wow, they did a great job. This was their first time directing something like that, and uh, yeah, it was very interesting to see it. Um, what's his name? We played Visions in it as one of the traders. Um, Slappy Andrews, the, the Brit. 
Yeah. Slappy <laughs> Slappy Andrews? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I mean, just saying, Ian, if I wasn't an idiot, I'd have the uh, <sighs> margin call IMDb up in front of me so I can tell you about the movie more. You know, if I was prepared. Uh, yeah, it's an investment bank, and it takes place over. So literally, it goes from, like, end of day on one day, discovery. By the end of the day, the next day, the market's destroyed because once they started selling it and selling all their stuff at, like, pennies on the dollar, the word gets out that something's wrong. And then that's almost literally what happened. One, I forget the, what happened. One or two firms discovered it, and they didn't get killed as much as everyone else did back in, what was that, 2008? Mm, 2007? It was, 2000, it was 2008. 2007 or eight around there. Uh, margin call check it out uh it's on um it's on netflix and um yeah i never heard of the movie before paul bettany that's slappy yeah he's in it. like i said great fucking cast all around nice and it comes down to with actors acting they're all all most of the the action is people sitting around tables discussing and getting uh, the strategy and getting pissed about what's happening which probably happened somewhat in reality it probably wasn't over a day but it was realizing, oh, we're trading worthless shit, and it's over. It's fucking over. And that's what most of the system became at that point. They were greedy, and, you know, you ruin the economy because of that. Yeah. That's what happened. So it's, it's complicated. You can watch the big short. They explain it as well. That's probably a better way to explain it with the big short, but they go out of their way to explain it in this movie as well in, in ways because obviously they know what they're doing, but you know, they got to explain to the audience like what the fuck's happening. Yeah, that's your homework. Go watch it. You never heard of Simon Baker, really? No. I'm surprised about that. Look him up right now. Let's look up old Simon E. Baker. Simon Baker. He's a mentalist. Yeah, yeah. Never seen this man in my life. Yeah, it's a it's a murderer's row of actors in this movie, basically. And that's what makes a good movie. You say that. Uh, right as I say, I've never seen this man in my life. Simon Baker. <laughs> okay, I, I know him from The Mentalist. He's not in a lot of stuff. Simon Lucas Baker, do you, buddy? SLB. That's SLB. What that's what I call them uh, there. Uh, we did discuss, unfortunately, the passing of, of, of wrestler Scott Hall. Yeah, uh, bummer to hear. I got worried when he broke his hip because they always say when you get old and you're in bad shape, breaking your hip is a death knell. Um, sad to uh, just sad to see him go so suddenly, um, I guess. As the way to put it, um, especially always sad in wrestling to see these guys kind of have their redemption arc come back from their their troubles. Um, you know, Scott Hall famously had all sorts of you know problems outside of the ring, uh, and him and Jake the Snake. Not to make this about other people, but him and Jake the Snake started doing yoga with DDP, and um, you know got their health back. You know, they got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Sure. And these are these are people who were really making great strides in in turning their life around. And uh, you know, I'm I'm glad Scott it seemed like got to a, a much better place before he he left everyone. Um but it it's still, you know, with, with all the bumps, with all the damage they do to their body, um, it, it still seems like that was that was sudden and unexpected, but well, well, it's, he was a, he was a massive alcoholic, Scott. Hall. Yes, so that, yeah, it that destroys your body over the decades. Um, and um, it's it's just it's it's it, it, this he really hit me today because I didn't know how old he was, but he's sixty three. He was sixty three when he passed away. My dad is sixty one. Sting was sixty two, taking that bump through those freaking tables. Just shows that like how you take care of your body, um, you know, when you're younger, 
drastically affects what you can do and, and, and what your quality of life is going to be uh, when you when you when you get older. Yeah, yeah. Scott Hall, he started. Uh, he was on the uh, come up with AWA, which was the Midwest, uh, I guess, competitor to WWF. Gagney so. wanted him to be the next Hogan. Oh, see, I didn't know because he was tall. Tall guy. He was like six six. Good worker. Always pretty safe and quality worker. You know, he put on the, the you know the five star ladder match, two ladder matches with Shawn Michaels in the mid nineties. So, so helped to revolutionize wrestling to that, and obviously the NWO stuff starting in ninety six uh, was big. And and Scott Hall to me was always like part of the transition to the new generation from the old he started in 92 uh, raw started in 90, early 93 so he was always that guy that okay we're done with the old here comes the new for the 90s like he, he was one of the, one of those guys like him and then bret hart's single push mm-hmm. uh was like the two like things to me and uh he, he was a great great heel and then obviously he turned face with uh with the one two three kid one of their earlier only well, the only things i remember from like raw when they held it at the old old place in uh or the fuck that was in, in Manhattan was that yeah was, yeah one of the uh, early feuds that was uh, one of the early feuds on Raw that was actually a storyline and a feud and wasn't just squash matches Raw sucked Raw sucked Raw was miserable the first couple years of Raw were terrible they were it was literally just squash matches maybe squash, one squash, good match. squash squash you got like one good match right. like that's what it was and that, that was a uh, that turned him face eventually against DiBiase uh, not not going to postulate but. Uh, Scott Hall uh, killed someone in self-defense when he was very young. Yeah, well, yeah, and he said in 2011, uh, he said that he's suffered from PTSD ever since. So I'm not saying that's why he drank, but like contributing factor probably. Certainly a contributing, yeah. Yeah. Um, So that and obviously the wear and tear in your body of wrestlers and, you know, I feel bad for him. Uh, And obviously, obviously his friends, uh, like, like his but he's Kevin Nash forever. Yeah, I don't follow a lot of these people a lot, but you know, I I, I do feel bad for that. Kevin Nash is clearly hurting. Oh yeah. They're, I mean they're his, best forever. Best his forever. his posts have been very, very emotional over the past few days. Uh my pal Steven Guerrero, who wrote for SmackDown for several years, was a head writer of SmackDown until I think he quit a couple years ago, years ago. Uh he tweeted, Rest in peace, Scott Hall. I had the good fortune of writing excuse me, of working on his two thousand fourteen Hall of Fame speech. I was a huge fan and requested to be his writer. We meant to discuss his speech and he'd done his research. Having watched a bunch of prior Hall of Fame speeches, he concluded everyone talks way too much. <laughs> um with Hall of Fame speeches, there's no real time limit, so inductees generally soak up the spotlight as long as possible. But Scott didn't want to drone on and on. He wanted his words to have impact and leave the, the audience wanting more. He laid out a speech. I helped with structure, but made very few suggestions. He d- didn't need to. It was all there. Then we BS for the next hour. He ended up telling a bunch of crazy, hilarious stories that would never have made air anyway. He seemed to be in a good place. Only took four minutes for him to give an instant classic Hall of Fame speech. Just before his go-home line, the emotion of the moment overwhelmed him. It's usually cut out of clips shared on Twitter now, but it instantly conveys how much wrestling and the fans meant to him. Working with him was one of my favorite moments from WWE. I've been warned ahead of time that he might be difficult. He was the complete opposite. Bad times don't last, bad guys do. Think about Scott Hall. We hear stories and think about him. Very smart about wrestling and the business and was not selfish at all that's what i right. take away from him he put people over um yeah it always he, it always it, it, and it always seems to 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 crash in the face of you know the other people that he uh, yeah, associated like, with yeah like Shawn michaels is an asshole didn't want to put anyone over always wants to spotlight Shawn michaels was always yeah. an asshole um i mean nash was not always considered i i mean nash was, nash was another yeah. guy who like you look at him now and you read about him and it seems like it's a it's a dude who's trying to make some rights but um he did not associate Hogan. He did not associate with people who, yeah. who, who actively cared about bringing up 
the the younger generation. Yeah. But Hall would go and 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 put people over. There was a there's a story going around today about um him putting over a. a I, I I don't know. I can't the, remember the name now. It's slipping my mind. Put over a young Japanese wrestler that he really liked in 2001, oh. and that it's one of the biggest Japanese wrestlers yeah. now. Just was like, hey, what can we do with him? And they were like, you can do whatever you want. And they were, he was like, can I put him over? I like the guy. And they were like, sure, go for it. And now he's one of the biggest yeah. wrestlers in Japan. <laughs> like the one, two, three kid thing was was big. Yeah, and that, yeah, he did it, it with it, one, it two, helped. three kid too. I guess uh, the Japanese thing. I think he actually recre- they recreated the finish of whatever the. The one, two, three kid match was the moonsault. Yeah, he he went over clean um, that first match. Th- th- even though that was an awful idea to bring NWO into WWE, uh, he lost cleanly to to Stone Cold at the WrestleMania. Um, Someone posted uh, a gif. They were like, "No one sold the stunner better than Scott Hall," and he know. literally flies like fifteen oh, yeah. feet in the air after he gets hit with it. He just pops back up. Because originally that was good. they were they wanted to do. I think I believe they wanted to do Stone Cold versus Hogan. Right uh, for that instead of the Rock, and obviously that would have been enormous. And it's one of the things that should have happened at some point. But Stone Cold, so, not, as, but, not as glaring of an uh, error as uh, Sting never wrestling the Undertaker. No, but but that you had a couple of years where when Hogan came back was and Stone Cold was injured, but like kind of retired, he could have fought him. But now Stone Cold's come back at fifty-seven to fight Kevin Owens instead of he could have fought Hogan, he could have fought anyone else over the past. He should have fought CM Punk seven. Uh, eight I, years I like ago. Kevin Owens, but it's just no, it's a weird. That's thing a to non-feud. Do. Yeah, they actually built the CM Punk thing a little bit back like eight years ago. And Stone Cold even said, "I we good to work with him." That would have been a great feud. And now it's going to be Kevin Owens, which means Ian money conquers all. Yeah, put enough put enough zeros on that and enough commas, and you get in there. But anyway, back to Scott Hall. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Scott Hall. Obviously, touched a lot of people's lives. Great personality. Uh, and my favorite wrestler to use in WF WrestleMania, the arcade game, with those combos. Oh, yeah. No, I think he was my favorite, too. He was my favorite. Discovering those combos one of the good things about those games. Um, new replicate machines, Ian. Probably should have reorganized this, but new wave toys. We love the mini the mini replicates, Ian. We do. Uh, they've announced, um, basically, they are doing Space Ace, and they are doing... Um, what they call an overhaul version of um, Dragon's Lair. I can't honestly tell you what the major difference on the overhaul version of Dragon's Lair is, except for the fact that it has the hot pink tea molding. Um, <laughs> oh, there it is, yeah. But the Space Ace uh, cabinets are cool, and there's two versions of them. Space Ace was commonly sold as a conversion cabinet. To the original, um, to the original Lair. Dragon's Lair. So there is a one that looks like Dragon's Lair, but with all the Space Ace conversion stuff on it, the, the marquee, shape, the overlay. The shape you can tell because of the shape. Yeah. And then there is the standalone Space Ace cabinet, which I believe was much harder to find, which I really like because it, it like the Dragon's Lair cabinet, it too has its uh, a fairly unique look to it. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Not a lot to say on them, but like I said, I... Uh, not a promo. I have a replicate. I I love it. They do a really good job. So what's what's this variant? The overhaul one on Dragon's Lair. What's it? Literally, all I can see is it has pink tea molding. There's one that doesn't though. There's one that that's the standard one. I think it's just a reissue of the standard one, and then the one with the pink it's, tea. It's molding. basically a re- reissue. Okay. Yes. Because uh, yours it says had uh, multi speaker audio reproduction, illuminated marquee. So it's like it's it's the same. Yeah, I can't really tell what the difference. Is it so well they're making more of them? I wish that, oh, maybe they'll yes. make, make some of the other older ones. I would, I would, I would love a replicate centipede. If they redid that, I would absolutely buy it. And it's a great little thing. And then they, remember, they do the mini controllers. They did the mini Street Fighter in 1942. 
uh, 43.6. They were nice enough to send me that one, the 43 uh, there. No, they look great. Uh, and you got uh, 10 days for the VIP early access uh, pre-order on there. Nintendo's uh, Universal Park in the good old USOA is coming next year, Ian. Yep. Uh, the U.S. version of the Japanese park is going to open sometime in 2023. Um, it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, I, you know, I was excited about Super Mario Land World, whatever. Uh, and then I started to like see some of the stuff, like the production shots. And I was like, okay, it looks cool, but I don't need to like rush to get there um, okay. to check it out because it's small. You walk around, you know, you're over it in a few hours. Um, but then I actually watched a, a YouTube video clip of someone at the Japanese park, and it got my interest in peaked again. Like it's it, it's it's themed very very well. Like I would love to just go and walk around for a little bit. So yeah, twenty twenty three. Uh, is it going to be entirely like the, the Japanese one? I have a feeling they're going to probably just recreate the Japanese. Maybe a little more room. Maybe a little with. bit more room since they, they probably are working with a little bit more room. Yeah. But I, I, I have a feeling it's probably going to be a pretty pretty close copycat. Uh, digital walk completely around me. Yeah, it'll, it'll be probably the same things uh, there. Um, speaking of... Speaking of uh, you know what's uh, open right now? Marks. Yeah, what's up right now, Ian? You know what's open right now? UltimateNintendo.com is open. Uh, you skipped... <laughs> I was going to talk about the Star Wars Hotel. I oh... Oh, did you just put, did you pop that up? Yeah, there? because it makes sense to segue real quickly into it. I, I was sorry. already working on the transfer, uh, Patrick. But I, I, you said, speaking of things that are open, Star Wars Hotel is open, is doing poorly. Poorly. Um, and it, it's, sorry. I think it's hilarious that it's doing poorly. We talked about this before, what a bad idea this This is was. dumb. And it wasn't like me trying to shit on people who would find no. it interesting. Like, I get it, but it's, it's, it, you're not dumb for being interested in this. This is just a dumb idea because it's extremely expensive and they're never going to find enough people. And as cool as it sounds to like, be like, oh, you're going to go on adventures and shit in this staycation two day hotel thing. It's going to be a bunch of fucking, it, 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 it's, it's going to be summer camp for a bunch of mid forties nerds. You know, as, 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 as Disney employees, they're like, okay, everyone over here, and then everyone waves their lightsaber over to one side of the room, and then you you do, I don't know, state-sanctioned fucking crafts. I, I can't. It's well, no, just, Ian, you can, you're going to have stormtroopers versus the resistance. State-sanctioned craft. Because it's no longer rebellion, it's resistance, because uh, I guess that sounds more family-friendly. I'm not big into being down on Disney for kidifying uh, Star Wars, but they have in some areas, and that's one weird thing where I think... Why is not the rebellion still? But whatever, um, you can still you can take the side of the fascists if you want as part of this experience, or you can be part of the resistance. I do know that. There, you know, you can be you can be a stormtrooper. I think you can do that. Um, what is it? Oh, it's five grand for two adults. That's right. Yes, that's right. That, that's family friendly. Five grand, and then for three adults and one child, it's six thousand. I guess if you have a throuple, three adults and one child, why would it not be two and two and two? Probably more common, but okay. Uh, it's a two night stay. Uh, yeah, it. I. I don't know. And it's only a hundred uh, rooms, and they can't sell that. Uh, I mean, this. This. So what this article is quick to fail. point out is that like, you can just look because with Disney, the way Disney does everything now, you, you pre book. You have to use a calendar. You have to plan your date, whether you're going to the park or doing this shit. Um, so you can like 
pull up the calendars and look at what's available. And they're saying almost every day in August, September, October, November, and December is available. There are still voyages in June and July, too, including a number of weekends. According to this SF Gate article. Most Disney stuff, for comparison, by the way, like fills up immediately. Like the Halloween, like the, like the Halloween stuff that you can do at the park and all that. That shit goes up months and months in advance, and it's done. Who's got five grand to blow on two days? Not even a full week. Two days. Two days. Uh, reviews have been generally positive with some caveats. Most reviewers noted people who aren't willing to let go of self-consciousness and engage fully in the storylines probably won't find the experience worth it. Well, I mean, I guess that's the reason you want to do it. You want to do the stories. What if you get there and like these storylines suck or they're hokey or I feel weird being forced to play act this garbage? I absolutely would. And that's the thing. Uh, I think I think this is one of those things that sounds cool to a lot of like fans uh, right up until the point. They're like, would I actually do this? And they're like, no, wait a second. That sounds dumb. Uh, lodgings are small and only have windows looking out onto a screen replicating outer space. That's great. That's great. I'd rather do a star. You know what? Fuck it. I, I would do a, a good Star Trek version of this because you got the hollow deck. You got the, the, uh, the, the way forward. Uh, great bar thing. That looks great. Whoopi Goldberg's hanging out. There. All of the Bandai uh, pair matches on the table. Is that what those things are? Yeah, it's the 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 little pyramids that are on the tables. Oh, they're actually, they're actually they're actually they're actually Bandai electronic games from the late seventies. Play some three D chess, like that seems more scenic to me. Being on the the Enterprise, being on the flagship. All right, we're gonna make create a war of Star Trek versus Star Wars nerds now. But all right, that's kind of interesting, Ian. But what were you saying, Ian? What's always open? Yeah, it's always open. Uh, UltimateNintendo.com is always open. <laughs> I rained on Ian's parade. Uh, it's always open for certain NES Super Nintendo guidebooks. You it's open can, right now. You can get the Major Combat Yoshi print. Uh, or it's a nice print, glossy, nice paper stuff. Hey, if you checked Support out our buddy, you checked out the Obi Wan trailer. Trailer uh, Yoshi worked on three shots on that trailer. There, that's that's the quality of Yoshi's uh, handiwork right there. There's Yoshi. Only, there's only ten prints left right now. That is limited to twenty two prints. Uh, you can get that at OpenTennel.com. There's only 10 and left? There's only 10 Is left. Is it an Amico 10 or a, a real 10? Amico a, a well, 10 would be, <laughs> there's a, a, a 10,000 left uh, there. Um, and then uh, we're, we're blowing out the shirts. They're on sale like 30% off at ultimateno.com. Just buy them. Buy the small one, cut out the image, put it on your jean jacket, make a patch. <laughs> there's medium as well for one of the shirts left. Um, and I'll be on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Contra Code Wednesday nights, watching the best of 70s, 80s, and 90s commercials. Getting close to episode 100, where Ian might peek in in a couple weeks there. It's possible. It's possible there. It's possible. Uh, news out, out of uh, Ukraine, uh, Cricks, who they, they make the uh, the EverDrives, uh, we, we got an update that he's safe. They're safe there. Um, they fled to Spain? Yes. Part of the team is still in the Ukraine there. Uh, the update, I will do the update here. The first update was just, oh, I'm okay, we are safe on March 9th uh, there. Uh, today, I took off my clothes for the first time in days. I will not sleep on the floor or in the car today. Uh, but a, couple of, uh, a couple of weeks before that, we were okay so far. Battles in the city every day. And then uh, went radio silent for like 10 days. So people are like, oh, what's going on? And the latest statement uh, was this. Uh, I'm with my family currently in Spain. Spain is one of my favorite countries. I, 
I already had a Spain residence card, so choice was obvious. From time to time, I lived and worked in Spain, so some of my products partially designed in Spain. I had a release from the military service, so I was able to cross the border, but rest of the team still in Ukraine. There is a lot of families feeded, feeded by the EverDrive business. They leave their homes. They lost income, but this situation isn't unique just for our team. Whole country in such troubles, but we are all still alive. At least this days, it is enough to be happy. I like to say a few words about what happened in my city early in the morning on February 24th. My wife woke me up and said that the war had begun. I heard explosions somewhere in the distance and cannot believe the reality of what was happening. First days, Russians entered the city a few times, but they was they were eliminated. Uh, one of the columns of Russian military equipment was destroyed not far from my home, about one kilometer from me. Uh, then their jets started bombing infrastructure objects to leave city without warm uh, electricity and water. Uh, I guess I mean heat. Then they start bombing residential areas, killing civilians. When strong explosions were heard somewhere nearby, my two-year-old daughter said, "What are these pops? I'm scared, Papa." So this will give you an idea of, of someone firsthand of what's happening. And uh, yeah, um, obviously still bad. Uh, Russians are bogged down. Ho- hopefully, there's some d- diplomatic solution to this soon. Uh, but I'm shaking my head, f- figuring out what the hell is going to happen here because I don't know. I don't have any answers to it. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... But it has been a more indiscriminate shelling of civilians and things like that happening the past couple weeks. Because when Russia realizes this is going to yeah, be a cakewalk, they're they... pushing it further and further. Yeah, they, they got desperate really quickly when they, when they realized the Ukrainians were going to actually fight back uh, there. So, yeah. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Uh, Something we, we brought up in the fall has finally gone through. Atari's acquisition of Moby Games, the huge, biggest uh, game database on, on the web, is complete at this point. Um, that's a thing. We postulated back in the fall, Ian. I have no clue what Atari looks to do with this. I have no idea what Atari has to do with this. We even contemplated making it like a poll topic, and I was like, we can't because I have no idea what Atari really hopes to do with this. They spent $1.5 million buying it. Um, obviously the site has ads on it, web ads, obviously a lot of people go to it. For worst research. case scenario would be shutting it down. Second worst case scenario would be privatizing it. But and, I mean, like why, like what, charging. what would Atari do with this information though? Right. I have no idea well, how they monetize Just hope it. to make my I, I charge for membership, but no one's going to, they just find that information elsewhere. Someone would like mirror the site. They'd like just get all the info and just yeah no fuck you atari yeah i have Um, no idea what atari like that that acquisition didn't make any sense to me uh originally created by three high school friends was back in 99 this isn't the first time it was sold it controversially changed hands in 2010 when gamefly bought it remember gamefly i do the 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 the, um the fucking uh monthly service Mm mm-hmm and they redesigned the whole site before it was purchased again in 2013 by jeremiah freyholt to quickly Come on, ad. That's how you make your money, a pop-up ad, who quickly reverted most of the unpopular changes. So if Gamefly bought it and realized we can't monetize it, maybe there's something that happens to Atari. They have to sell it in a few years, maybe at a loss when they realize we can't do anything with this. 
I mean, Atari hasn't been the smartest in their strategies the past Atari years. Make, I mean, nothing Atari ever does really makes a whole lot of sense. Speaker hats? Well, those never got made, but I, I think No, I'm they, fairly they, certain they get, those got oh, made. Oh, the watches never got yeah, made. Yeah, the watches never got made. But, the that was hats a, did. but that was a license deal. They weren't manufacturing those. But the VCS they manufactured and came out to a thud. I don't know if they actually made money on that or not. There was lawsuits with that, remember? They didn't oh, pay, yeah. Allegedly didn't pay their engine, original engineer and things like that. Obviously, the fucking casino idea... And the and the and the cryptocurrency shit. So the only thing they've done was with these recharge games is it's been the, the few recharge games with Centipede and Breakout and Asteroids. That's in the spirit of Atari because realize Atari doesn't have many IPs worth worth a fucking damn. No, and this is what I always. Uh, this goes back to like this was always one of my favorite things that would happen at the, the the game store. Someone would come in and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I love Atari, Pac Man, and Galaga." And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. uh." I'm like, you get surround and 3D tic tac toe. And adventure. Ad- adventure. Which, which was nothing. Warlords. Okay. I like Warlords. Warlords is so, great. Like but, but all the best Atari shit in, in, in this. Uh, Activision or Namco or. All the best yeah, Atari shit. Party. Well, no, but, but all the best Atari stuff uses uh, trackballs, spinners, or some. Odd input method. Sure. Um, People confuse the time period with Atari. Right, exactly. But all the best stuff that you can play with just a normal joystick was Namco, Sega, etc. Um, while people are understandably skeptical about the sale so far, Atari and Freyholtz have been saying the right things. Here's the quote. Mobile games community has played a sustained and important role in the documentation, celebration, and preservation of video games and supporting mobile games allows us to give back to the community and continue to its growth and success, says said Atari CEO Wade Rosen. It's important to Atari that Moby Games retains every bit of its integrity and we're committed to supporting the site in ways that improve the experience for both contributors and users. So if you take that at face value, we're going to keep the site the same. We bought it to get the ad revenue and make the money back over years and years. How much? I guess, yeah, like I, I, that. The... I mean, I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess. You just hope that they don't, Atari doesn't mismanage it and then end up selling it to that fuck uh, who bought uh, a, a Nintendo Age and shut it down and shut down the, you know what I mean? Like uh, someone like that. Right. You hope it doesn't like go to someone's bad hands who just shutters it. Yeah. Like that. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. So this is going to be community driven. It has to be because the community is responsible for the site's database. The same thing with Nintendo Age. It was a community that uh, put that database together and then it was sold and then shuddered even though they they fucking lied about oh it's a lie. no fuck you that was always your plan asshole you yeah. slime ball uh there but what about this gamecube modding real quick yeah so this gamecube mod is interesting um it's based on a fake gamecube um a fake portable game pube pube game pube game pube fake portable game pube fake portable ba- blah, 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 blah. fake portable gamecube mod don't that give, was don't give manscaped new ideas jesus uh, that yeah <laughs> that uh, went around the internet a long time ago and this is just neat because someone um, made it real brought it to life and it's, it's cute i love the way it looks it looks like a little um game boy advance sp but it has the tiny disk drive in the front of it which wow. i think is the Coolest and cutest little addition to it. Folds open and closed. Um, yeah, that thing had been around, floating around the internet for 15 years. The fake, um, huh? You I mean the fake? Uh, yeah, the fake one. Ranger. Um, so they, you know, they talk about how when they first saw it, their immediate thought was, I need this. 
Um, Ginger of Oz is the person who decided who, who decided to make this a reality. Um, they tracked down the creator. Well, they tried to track down the creator of the original image, but couldn't. Um, they used a Wii motherboard instead of a GameCube one. Uh, the GameCube motherboard uses more powerful than the Wii, and it's more Makes difficult sense. to cut down to size. So the Wii motherboard made a lot, a lot more sense. Makes sense. Um, this portable version doesn't feature a working disk drive, as it would have made the system significantly larger. However, Ginger does include a slot for a disk to be entered, even if they don't actually do anything in relation. Just to for funsies. Just for funsies. So, so you put some flash drive. So yeah, over. you just flat play off a flash drive. So that that makes sense. It's still adorable. Yeah, very cute. I like it a lot. Yeah, I can imagine the whirring that would go around with the disc in its play. Just put it on the table and watch it vibrate itself off, and it just start heating up, and you're like, yeah. oh jeez. It's like a microwave oven. Speaking of heating, sweatshirt's coming off. You're layered. You're layered for for March. It's almost spring. Yeah. I forgot to uh, spring my clocks forward. Forgot to mention that over the weekend. I thought for some reason it was next week. It was this Sunday. Yeah, but your phone should have done it automatically. No, but, I, but yeah, that's true. The car, the car one's always the one where you do it right away. Or wait five you just, months. You just wait. You six wait, months wait, and it wait fixes for, it. Yeah. Wait to, or, or maybe it's fixed for some people now. And then it goes back. Yeah. Can we get rid of it in the fall? We're 28. I look this up every year. 28 states have passes to say we're fucking done with this. We're, we're done with going back and forth. Keep it the way it is now. Darker in the morning, uh, and then let it be lighter at night. It's better. It's everyone wins. It's so antiquated uh, going back and forth. Obviously, Arizona doesn't do it. They're out with it. But most, I think within 10 years, we'll be fucking done with this shit of switching it. It's insane. It's insane. I, Most countries don't I think do this I was shit. reading something actually uh, that California already voted on not yes, doing it. 28, anymore. 28 states have already voted to say we are done, done with this shit. Right. Yet we're still doing it. But because you have to get everyone else. Yeah, I know. You got to get everyone on board with it. Yeah. So imagine what happened when they first did all the time zones. How, how that? How did they coordinate that back whenever they did that in the fucking eighteen hundreds or whatever? Whenever they started doing that. Telegraph. They telegraphed. Okay, we're starting this. Yeah. <laughs> Send the telegraph. Oh, that was a great technology telegraph. Reggie is uh, no longer at GameStop, hasn't been for about a year, but he talked a little bit about it. He was here for a cup of coffee. Yeah, uh, I talked about it at uh, South by Southwest over the weekend. Um, he's diplomatic, but it does not sound like he enjoyed his time there at all. Um, <clears throat> at all. So, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Cohen... Uh, invested the big guy. on the yeah the chewy guy invested big on the aging retailer eventually seizing control of its board signaling to backers that GameStop would be transformed into a mostly online business. Reggie says uh, the perspective was Reggie we want to keep the team small so it's going to be myself meaning Ryan Cohen and a few of the people that I brought on board who by the way don't know this business don't understand the players etc cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> he didn't say that but that's <laughs> no, what that's said. that's what so, that's that's what Reggie is saying. Basically Ryan came in and said uh you know uh, so Fizame says I took that as code as thank you but we really don't want any other yeah. ideas and for me that was not acceptable. Yeah because because remember AutoZone guy got Reggie involved. AutoZone yes. guy was a was a traditional retail who brought CEO Red, yeah. from AutoZone and then obviously we said well this isn't going to work. But then uh, Chewy.com guy uh, who sold it off for a ton, he's, he's an expert in internet retail, and he's a y- much younger guy uh, and m- much more up-to-date with tech, and he took over the company slowly but surely and pushed out AutoZone guy uh, and, and is now trying to do stuff like the NFT shit that we talked about, which we gave it too much credit originally. We're like, oh, this is going to be for, for uh, buying and selling of digital games. Like, oh, no, maybe not. It's just for NFTs. It's just NFTs itself. Yeah. And, and, and just for bullshit. And so Reggie doesn't belong in that. That's not why he's there. Obviously, that's not his expertise. Um, and so they probably said, well, we don't have any need for you, Reggie. We're going to do our 
NFT bullshit. Yeah, he said he had strong opinions on what the company needed to do to turn around, and no one was interested in hearing them. Um, this Kotaku article uh, by Ethan Gotch continues to say um, that uh, they haven't really shown any uh, game plan as to how they plan on turning around. Here it is. A year later, it is still not clear how T- Cullen will bring back GameStop. The inflated stock price has been trending down ever since November. Recently fell below 100 for the first time in a year. That's not good. Um, recent earnings have remained weak. Of course they have. And uh, they're definitely not investing in the, the stores, the employees, oh. because every store is basically claiming that it's it's basically understaffed and overworked. Um, and, I mean, like we've said a billion times, uh, GameStop doesn't have a viable unless they transition to entirely online sales and become a skeleton of them. They're what they once were. GameStop does not have a viable path forward in this market. It's just a non-necessary outlet at the size that it exists. Yeah, it's too big to survive. They got they got a they got a second life via being a meme stock and and selling stock. Right. uh, and getting tons of getting money. Getting money from an, an entirely right. different source than what you actually sell is not going to keep you afloat for very long. Well, no, especially since the reason you got that money is because the, the, the company was in a tailspin. Yes. And that's why it became a, a meme stock because right, it, it was, was, it was overshorted. It, the, the, the stock was bad enough. It was to, overshorted. Yeah. Because everyone's like, this is ridiculous. And so you can't, you can try to spin that all you want, but that's the reality of it. You can't lose hundreds of millions of dollars each year and say, oh, this is this is great. Because you see some people saying, oh, all these naysayers about GameStop. It's like because it was losing money every fucking year and the digital landscape has taken over just about, which is GameStop's not involved with. So they're trying to throw money at it, obviously. But when you see that NFT announcement and investments like that, you're like someone like Reggie's being like, well, that has nothing to do with with selling games traditionally. And what are we doing? And not, I'm not saying Reggie could have helped turn this around. I'm not. But Reggie probably had some interesting ideas to either try to rebrand it or try to get them on some sustainability path that's not this that they're doing now. I'll take Reggie over over Chewy Guy on this. Do you agree? Like I would be interested in hearing out what Reggie would have to say. Yeah, no, I, I would I would too. So yeah. There's only so many times where you can try to bank on the holiday season to get your your money up, when especially but like um, we're we're in the middle of a console generation right now, the middle of it, so the the, the sales slow typically, and again there's less and less physical game sales to happen. So you're relying on almost entirely on console sales at this point, correct? That's a lot of it. Consoles and tchotchke bullshit, chops, Pokemon cards, that's not, T-shirts. That's not moving the needle to keep all these stores open. No, as much. absolutely not. Um, speaking of an expert in this in the space, just like Reggie Fizeme, a uh, Michael Pachter, uh, analyst in the loosest sense of the of the word. Uh, I want to know how this guy keeps his job. What what is the industry that he predicts correctly? Because it's not video games. I remember we we brought up Michael Pachter in the past uh, for a few reasons. I looked up his um. A lot of these analysts have a have a have a record, like yeah. a win loss record of 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 good uh, predictions. He was fifty fifty. When I looked it up a few years ago, literally a fucking coin flip, whether or not you're, you're correct. That's not a good analyst if you're as good as a coin flip to me. Uh, yeah, no, but, absolutely not. But Pactor has come out. He got big because for some reason, game trailers decided to give him a fucking show. And here's a guy in a suit talking about video games. We feel more important because he's a guy into fucking securities. That's talking. And that's literally it. They plucked him out of fucking nowhere to do it. They did. They did. Um, but he was their quote unquote tech expert. And he's made some awful, awful uh, predictions surrounding the video game industry 
Uh, my favorite one from uh, a year and a half ago was that Nintendo was stupid uh, for having uh, their their uh, Switch uh, be a hybrid. They were stupid for doing that. He said they should just uh, focus in on it being a they, handheld. Yeah, he said he said that they uh, only should have done the light. And if they'd done that, Nintendo would be uh, out of the console business by now, or closer closer to it. If they had done that, sure. Or certainly wouldn't be in the the positive position. They wouldn't sell over a hundred fucking million of them in five years. They would not have. One one of the many people that that thought they knew better what Nintendo was doing uh, with that. He also said, before we get into this, one of my favorite things is that uh, the Amico was going to be the hot tech story of 2020. It was going to be the tech story of 2020, and it's... It's entirely feasible that they could sell a million units in the first year. A million units in the first year. And I think at the time I said, put any price on that and I will take that bet and I will give you odds on that. A million. So besides those disqualifying statements of being any sort of analyst uh, worthy of anything, uh, he, t- he said the PlayStation will basically be gone within uh, uh, 10 years. and It will cease to exist. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing that, that, that he says, as we know it. And sure, maybe video games as we know it um, will ha- uh, will will be different. Uh, they are changing all the time, but PlayStation's not going anywhere. Um, Microsoft is making themselves look like they're in a pretty good position. I don't think they're going anywhere either. But let's let's not forget that currently Sony is outselling. I mean, just a dumb fucking thing to say that the number one system being sold right now is not going to exist. You know, they're not going to be exist in 10 years. They'll probably get eight years at least out of this system lifespan. And I don't see them stopping systems with this one. Uh, PS five uh, as of February 1st is ahead by 6 million units. They've sold almost 18 units in 14 months and series X slash S has sold under 12. So it's, it's far ahead. Yeah. I do feel like at some point, you know, these things are going to continue to more and more just look like home computers. So that might change, but yeah, Sony is not doomed as, as he says, there's There's no doom here. Again, this is a person. We always bring this up. The same thing with Google stadia, uh, where you assume everyone's tech is the same everywhere in the world. And the infrastructures are all the same. So it's like, right. We're video games is not just North America and Europe and even, and even Japan. There is plenty of areas in the world all over that are still developing. There's a ton of people in India, uh, for example. That's a market that's probably still on the come up where it's going to take still a lot of time for their their infrastructure to get to where uh, places in Asia are or North America. So you're going to need to sell consoles for a a good amount of time still. Like you said, whether it's going to be more computers – People are going to need hardware. They're not going to be able to just be cloud. It's not going to, it's going to be 2025, Ian, everywhere it's just cloud gaming. No. No, that ain't happening. Right. It's not happening. Even in the U.S., you can't pull that off. In the U.S., you can't get great uh, you know, fiber optic internet in a lot of parts of the U.S. So you're going to sell consoles still. You are. Yeah. I guess the, the real thing, I, I, what I would really say is I think it's going to get more homogenous as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who still believe in the console wars and think companies hate making money to, you know, prove a point or something. But uh, I, I, th- I think we'll probably I don't think it's entirely out of the question that we'll see Game Pass on a Sony system in the next five years. And at that point, it really does just become, you know, what do you prefer Coke or Pepsi? If the money's good enough, Sony would say, yeah, sure. Yeah, we give give us whatever fifty percent of it and we'll, whatever that whatever makes sense they would do if they realize they see which way the wind's blowing and be like okay 
this is the way it's going to be. We'll still have our PlayStation service, but if you want the additional one, sure. Sure. And then you, like you said, it'll just be like the same consoles at that point. But yeah, I, I don't think this guy's ever said anything worth paying attention to in the video game space, at least. Plus, I think they'll come to the point where both, my, especially Sony, they're going to be like, well, we don't, we don't have the money that Microsoft has. We can't keep keeping up with these acquisitions. They just can't. Right. They just can't. Uh, it's, it's, they're like a hundred, Microsoft's a hundred times bigger than Sony. So it's like, you, you just can't keep up with that. So, yeah. It's just one of those things that happens every year and a half where people are reminded this guy exists and he has awful fucking takes. Yep. That's about it. This segment of the CU Podcast is sponsored by Whatnot, the go-to app for live stream buying and selling of collectibles. You can find your favorite retro games and connect with friends and your favorite game stores on the app. No bots to compete with, no sniping. You can see each auction and the seller. They explain the item they have, and you can bid. It's simple and fun. It's free to join. Go to whatnot.com slash invite slash country code to get $10 off your purchase. Use the link or find it in the App Store and Google Play. Make a profile, add a credit card, and you can be bidding on a live auction in under a minute. We also have a very special live stream coming up this week. Josh of SideQuest Games is auctioning off the rarest licensed NES game, Stadium Events, on March 19th at 5 5 p.m. PT on site at the Video Game History Foundation. And the best part, the bidding all starts at a buck. After you sign up, you go to the app, click on the Retro Games category, and follow SideQuest Games to be notified of this event. Go sign up and get yourself some retro games. Head to whatnot.com slash invite slash country code to get $10 off your purchase for any new user of the app. Whatnot. Buy, sell, and go live. Ian? Yeah. We had uh, some news of some collections of old school games come out the past week. Yeah. We had a couple, and we're going to dive into a heavier conversation about, I guess, how the outlook is on these uh, retro gaming collections on modern consoles. But the first one, Ian, that people were very excited about, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Um, So this is a collection of... Pretty much every Ninja Turtles game that was uh, released on the 8 and 16-bit systems, uh, including arcade versions. This is a Konami um, collection because Konami did all those games. So what we're going to see, I think, is a lot of different um, versions of the the different games as well. You're going to see all the different versions. So uh, 13 games in the collection. It's going to have... uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, Turtles in Time. Uh, It's going to have the NES version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game, the Super Nintendo version of Turtles in Time. It's going to have the first Turtles Nintendo game. It's going to have all three of the Turtles Game Boy games. It's going to have Manhattan Project for the NES. It's going to have uh, Hyperstone Heist on the Genesis and all three versions of Tournament Fighters because all three versions are different. You're basically getting every console Ninja Turtle game up to like, what is that, like 90... 94 ish something like that yeah you're getting you're getting uh, all the 16-bit and 8-bit ninja turtles console games for the first like six or seven years of ninja yep. turtle games uh there um it's gonna be on switch ps4 ps5 windows via steam xbox one series it's gonna be 39.99 and we're still getting shredders revenge this year yep it's a huge year if you're a fan of the turtles especially their video game outings um and when you look at the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh collection uh mostly hits not a lot of filler 
Um, both the arcade versions, great. I like the original NES Turtles. Uh, oh, I do. Not the, I don't like the arcade game. No, fuck, I, fuck the Turtles 2 are the arcade game NES version. I do like Manhattan Project because it wasn't trying to recreate the arcade yes. game. It, it was made within its limitations. I really do like Manhattan Project. Uh, tournament Fighters on the NES, whatever. It's, a, it's, it's a, interesting. It's, it's neat to see a fighting game on the NES, and it's one of the only one-on-one ones that was released in the U.S. There's only three or four one-on-one fighting games if you take out boxing games on the nes technically for an nes game it's nice but there's no reason to play that when you can play the super nintendo one um super nintendo turtles in time uh i remember being good everyone obviously loves it what's the difference between that and the arcade one again for turtles in time i think again there's i think there's more levels okay yeah i think there's more levels um and then tournament fighters on the super nintendo and on the sega genesis uh i had this genesis one as a kid i loved the artwork to it it's not a great game the super nintendo one's kind of fun hyperstone heist is good and then all three of the game boy games are fun the first fall of the foot clan is very simple but by the time you get to radical rescue it's almost like a metroidvania all right well i re- i said i replayed fall of the foot clan for the analog pocket i did not enjoy it i was like it's like, this is super simple. really you didn't enjoy Fall of the Foot Clan? It's it's simple. It's 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 like a half a half a step up from a, a Tiger LCD game to me. Fun and straightforward. Takes almost no time. It's got some cool, cool uh, secrets to find. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a good Th- game. Some of those early Game Boy games are rough. Okay, all right. Um, so, what do you think about the, this? It's it's not thirteen unique games, but thirteen games uh, here. I, I mean, um, I, I think it's fine, and the price is thirty nine ninety nine. That is twice as much as um, the previous Konami collections. For instance, the Contra one was nineteen ninety nine, and the Castlevania one was nineteen ninety nine. Um, but paying for the license, you're definitely paying for the license. You're definitely yeah. paying for the license here, and I think just getting a version of the arcade game, the original arcade game, yes. back on a system because it hasn't been on a system since the. 360 version of the arcade game that came out when that TMNT CG movie came out. Not the Michael Bay ones. Oh, I think it was even earlier than that. They did two movies within two years. No, no, I'm talking about the one that came out in like 2007. Oh, that one. That one. Oh, that was the last time that the arcade game was put on a, a, a console and they changed all the faces of the turtles in the select screen to look like the movie turtles. Ew. Like the arcade game looks fine, but like up in the like corner, there was like instead of like their face, it was like the little movie turtle face. Ew. Why would you even, why would you not keep it the same? That's so weird to do that. So um, it's been a long time coming. And and I, I, it's I, ridiculous because that game's amazing. Like it's so ridiculous that that game was, again, was never put on the Super Nintendo. They went to Turtles Time. I understand that it's a new game, but it's ridiculous that that was not on a console at the time. It just blows my fucking mind. Or that it wasn't ported to a stronger console later. Sure. Um, because like Final Fight did, and that came out the same year. I think Final Fight was eighty. Final Fight was eighty nine, and Turtles was eighty eight. I think it was also eighty nine. That and the NES game came out the same year. It was eighty nine. Double check me, but I remember that video game years episode uh, there. So, so th- here's the point, Ian. Um, this is a, a great for Turtles fans, and there's a lot of great games in here. Um, my my only issue with this is that not not having a la carte for some of these things, like I will never play like four or five of these games. I just would never, I ain't never playing the NES or, uh, turtles Two. never, never playing that. Sure. Um, I'll, I would probably check out the difference between turtles of time arcade versus the super Nintendo one. Cause I honestly don't remember the differences with that. 
Um, and I'm not playing... Uh, I'll probably play the Super Nintendo Tournament Fighters, because I remember playing that. I remember renting that. But it's fun, and the Genesis one has entirely unique graphics that it's are darker different. and look more like the, the comic. So, like, I will play, like, half of these games, but if you're a big Turtles fan, you're play- obviously going to play all of them. I'll probably play, like, six of them. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the reality of it, but I understand that's how these compilations work. Sure. That's the way it's going to be. Um, in terms of... Uh, we, we put down on, on our little thingy here about other previous titles... Uh, Street Fighter Collection, you can totally tr- tr- get it for 30 bucks. We postulated maybe it was 40 bucks. Yeah, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, you can get 30, 30 now. 30 now. Uh, I've seen it, I've seen physical copies for as cheap as 20. Um, Capcom Fighting was, is 40. Uh, the uh, Beat Up Collection was 20. Again, these are, these are Capcom. Yep. It's different. The Castlevania and Contra sets, as I mentioned, were 20. Uh, and the SNK Collection, uh, that was also... So the SNK Collection and the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection were both done by Digital and, Eclipse. And we'll get into the SNK Collection in a little bit more yeah. uh, here. So it's not out of line with, with, with that. You get a lot of games. There is, I think, a good value here. Um, was, was there anything about any sort of historical features? Not in that I not saw. That we've seen. Not that I saw. But the other thing I would mention here too is these are games that are at the least fifty percent of them clamored for. Yes, these are games that people want. These yeah. are games that people ask for. Yeah, I don't think people are clamoring necessarily for the Game Boy ones outside of your world. But like for the most part, most of these games, besides tournament fighters, we'll just say the top half of this list people are clamoring for. And I guess some people really like Hyperstone Heist. I never played it to be honest. It's good. I'm sure it's good. Short. It's good. Though. It's short. Yeah, it's short. A lot of those beat 'em ups on uh, Genesis were kind of short. Yeah, it was. It was real short. I remember. Uh, I remember renting it as a kid and having no problem getting through it in a weekend. Sure, but it was good. So let's talk about the second one that was announced. Yeah. So Taito Milestones just got announced for the Nintendo um, Switch, probably for other systems as well. But the Switch version is what I'm looking at. Um, Taito Milestones is also thirty nine ninety nine. Comes with. 10 games. Um, the sale, the sales pitch for these games uh, is that they are 10 groundbreaking classics from Taito's arcade vault, variety of genres, gameplay styles, etc., etc. So before we get further, let me just say that I generally love playing the lesser-known arcade games by companies. I love seeing the weird stuff that they have. Like when we talked about the SNK collection, I loved going through and playing all that old 80s stuff. That was sure. a blast. Um, so I do get something out of this. I, 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 I understand the appeal of this. However, this is thirty nine ninety nine, and here are the groundbreaking games. Elevator Action, Frontline, Haley's Comet, Kicks, uh, Fairyland Story, uh, Check and Pop, Alpine Ski, uh, Space Seeker, uh, Ninja Warriors, which is really good, and that's it. So Ninja you, Warriors was, was, I think, it was like eighty-seven. Or it's a later one. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good game. Uh, but there's also a Ninja War. You can get the Ninja Warriors ROM on the Switch uh, oh, through the itself. arcade archives gotcha. for seven ninety-nine. Uh, and they also did the remake of the Ninja Warriors that you can get on the Switch for I think nineteen ninety-nine, which is like I believe a graphical update of the original game. So there's options here if you want some of these better games like Ninja Warriors. I don't know for certain, but I would be hard-pressed to believe that Kix isn't available on its own on the Switch. Just looking here. Uh, I spelled that wrong. Um, okay, maybe not. Uh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Okay, came, came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, Kix is available. Actually, Kix is coming out literally this week after they've already announced that. Kix is a great game, seven ninety nine. So okay. here's the problem: we have ten games that are 
I'm sure everyone loves them. I am a massive Kicks fan. I'm sure every one of these games has a fan. But these are... It's really, really stretching to call these groundbreaking hits. You get 10 games that no, almost no one knows for $49.99. I would venture to 30, say... Or for $39.99. I would venture to say out of this list, most people would not know more than three of these games. The, the, the casual gamer would not more know about three of these games. I think there's one, two games on here that even I didn't know about ahead of time, and I, I know most of this stuff. I knew Frontline because that, that's a, a really goofy game that was an, a Famicom game in a lot of the multi-carts. I knew Chack and Pop because that was the original incarnation of... Uh, well, it's, 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 it's where like all those characters from Bubble Bobble and, and Puzzle Bobble start to sure. come from. Never heard of Halley's Comet. Never heard of Fairyland Story. Never heard of Alpine Ski or Wild Western because those are, you know, Wild Alpine West- Ski and Wild Western are the two that I don't know because those are just like early arcade games that probably right. just came out in J- Japan. They're just like, oh, it's just a shoot a guy. And, like I, I never heard of them because you know why? These are not like games that you think about in the annals of video game history. That these are ones that people are thinking about. So my issue with this is that this is forty dollars for these right. for these ten games. Where unless you're like some hardcore title history buff i don't see the interest there and when you look at the title games that they didn't put on this for whatever reason title put out a ton of arcade games well all you have to do is look at the we've talked about it but you look at the egret mini 2 sure that 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 arcade uh unit the mini arcade unit that they put out that is slam jam packed with fucking hits after hits after hits this literally feels like they took a spoon and scraped shit off the bottom of a pan and Thwapped it into a case and said, "Here we go." But they didn't even go. You, you see, what, what's what's such a great uh, part value of the SNK collection? It's like twenty five games. First of all, well, yes, but yeah. the big deal is as as you get you get the games, but you also get hundreds of hours worth of research done by the people who work at Digital Eclipse. Um, you know, friends like Frank Cifaldi or my friend Brandon Sheffield, who like they go out and they went to Japan and they traveled and took trains to warehouses to find old arcade boards. Like there's work in here. You get and the same thing with the uh, Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection. There's no there's nothing here that says you get any of that in the Taito collection and you're getting like half as many games to boot. Yeah. So Taito should have done this. We're going to give you our heavy hitters, which means, like, we're going to put, I don't know, Space Invaders on here, for example. Space Invaders doesn't ever need to be put on a collection ever again. But Bubble Bobble. There's a point, though. You go one of two directions. You put on the heavy hitters, or you fucking throw 40 fucking games on here I never heard of from the 70s and 80s. Taito has a ton of games that never came out here. I can't believe Zookeeper's not even on here. Uh, They did, oh, they did uh, Lunar Rescue. They they did uh, games on here that in passing you might have heard of like um, let's see uh, Phoenix they yep. published that Phoenix is Polaris um, they did uh, let's see they they published uh, Lock and Chase uh, Lock and Chase is one I always forget about That's that Data East uh, they published it but it's not it's not okay that. the point is that when you actually look at the number of games they put out at least in Japan they are putting out like two dozen games a year yeah. At the height of the of the video game, let's see, in eighty they put out, yeah, they put out like two dozen games in eighty. They put out twenty games in eighty one. They put out twenty games in eighty two. They put out twenty games in eighty three. Fucking throw them all on if you're gonna put on these. T- like, just throw them all on then and be like, oh, Ian, this is sixty games for forty bucks. I, I I can experiment and go through these and see what oddities are in here. 
Yeah, that that's the approach you take. And they this. used to do that. Uh, I mean, Taito did have Taito had uh, two, not one. I, no, they might have only had one. They definitely had at least one PS2 collection and yeah. one uh, Xbox collection, and there was PS2 a couple one. of different games between the Xbox and PS2 collections. And I do think there was a volume two as well. I think title there was Legends. a volume two. Title, title Legends. Legends. Yeah, yeah. Um, great collections, and those probably I, I would imagine those probably came out at about forty at the time. And you got twenty nine games. Yeah, twenty nine games. They started from Space Invaders in seventy eight, um, and they went all the way up to uh, ninety three. You got about two to three games a year you got you got ones like elevator action you got bubble bottle you got games like gladiator that we brought up every once in a while operation wolf uh roston Raymond, and you got a few uh weirder ones you got zookeeper so that's what i think people want people want give us give us the hits give us some of the weird kitschy ones that are cool i, I wouldn't mind trying some of these games but you can't sell me a, a, a collection of entirely no no names with a couple of decent ones in there and um Oh, shit. I lost my train of thought. Nope. Whatever. There's just no angle where this, to me, comes off as a cash grab. Yeah. Well, um, and this is, this is what I was going to say. This is where I feel like um, the idea of preservation is, is starting to get sullied by people yes. with, 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 with money to, to make. Um, we don't need to be so fucking precious over every single video game release. Not every single video game release is a secret milestone in, in video games. Sure. Not every video game release needs to be... Um, you know, wrapped up in a, in a fancy wrapper and treated more special than it is. The other thing about this, is I mentioned, um, the amount of games on here that people are actually going to go back to, most of these already exist on the Switch as arcade archive titles. $7.99. So sure, if you bought all 10 of these games for $7.99, yeah, this would be a whiz-bang steal. But you know what? I... You probably want Kicks, Ninja Warriors, maybe Chack and Pop, Fantasyland Story. Fairyland story. See, that's the one I never. Fairyland story. That's yeah. the one I never played before. I never even heard. It's of another that. single screen game. Um, so, the the issue with this is that it once no one buys this, that's it. Like there, there won't be like volume two, three, four. It's going to take years potentially for them to, to think. See, a company like Taito. Yeah, they're going to look at this and go, "Well, this didn't sell, so there must not be any interest in our old product." But the problem is, is you gave us a platter of shit. Yeah, you didn't put any of the good stuff. The problem on there. is, you either had to sell this digitally for like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks at most, or you put on thirty, forty games, and you just go into the you just go into the seventies and eighties catalog, and you bring out stuff that even me and Ian will be like, "Wow, we never heard any of this stuff." I want, like you said, I want to experiment and see what these games are. Right. These are games that you never even would have come across when you were downloading main ROMs in the past. Yep. Just look. Uh, Arcade Archives Fairyland Story is available on the PlayStation, which means it'll probably come to the Switch at some point. So they've hit this no nothing market with this price and offering. They've hit a market where, unless you're some weird Taito fanboy out there that wants these games, you're not buying this collection. and i love taito had they just yes. re-released had they literally just copied the legends the, the legends collection yeah i would buy that for 40 i would buy that for 40 dollars. hell i'm such a sucker when it comes to some of the stuff that you could probably sell that to me for 60 but you got to make the package look like you're trying yeah this is so again we're at, we're at this point now where you have like you said the intersection of like preservation and re-releasing stuff where we're mudding the water like you said and we're going to see a lot more of these potentially happen because they see the success of some of them, but they're going to start going way to this other side where there's no value anymore to the, to the regular average gamer when it comes to this. There's no value here right. in, in this 
I hate to say it, but that's 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 what it is. No, there isn't. Like I said, get the get the three games you like for half the price uh, on the arcade archive and leave the collection. On. I mean, or, or just get your title legends and fire up your PS2 two. or or you know or or whatever. Or at that was. point, just fucking fire up Mame. I mean, whatever. But yes, but that's the point. They're going to push people to. No, that's I know. The point and, I, and, I liked, and I liked. Yeah. And I liked. And I am one of those people who does like to support these collections when they come out. The even at 40 bucks, twice as much as the previous Konami ones, the Turtles collection is an easy yes for me. I'm, sure. I'm all in. Uh, but this is just like, this is laughable. Ian, uh, we got, uh, we got uh, a Patreon, don't we? Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, you put a little bit of money in the jar. We do a little dance. You get uh, the full video podcast. You get uh, Hangouts. We just did one this last weekend. You get a writing by me most weeks. Uh, bonus due for one soon. Bonus bits. Bonus bits. B- b- bonus. We uh, finished Pat's chicken, the chicken uh, saga, honey chicken saga uh, this week. Fried chicken saga. Uh, and you, um, you get to participate in poll topics. In second place, hardest games we have played slash beaten twenty six percent. In first place, with the Switch at five years old, what has surprised impressed you? Fives and zeros on the podcast. We missed this. Uh, this was the fifth anniversary. Was was the third of March. Wow, yeah. Five years of the Switch. Five years. That also puts into perspective a lot of things. That's because I was still very sick when the Switch came out. It was pre, pre-Castle Country. Because uh, I remember, Vonnie, I, I, I woke up at three in the afternoon uh, feeling like shit and rolled over, uh, and put my arm around something, and it was a Switch that Vonnie had bought me and Aww. put in bed. Yeah, uh, that was the, the Solo CU podcast, five-month stretch. We're in there. Wow, uh, five years. Um been a while. So I think the thing that I mean, it, there's a few things that have surprised me um, personally, just in terms of how I use it. When I first got the Switch, I only ever used it in portable mode. I used it in portable mode almost exclusively for like the first two years. R- two years. I put I hooked it up to the TV very, very infrequently. Wow. Um, because I, I mean, as anyone who listens to the podcast knows, I am a Big fan of portable gaming. You're a junkie. I'm, I'm a portable game junkie. Junkie. Uh, I love to curl up. <laughs> I love to curl up on the couch with my portable and a and a cat named Spike and a cat named Spike and a mug of tea <laughs> or, a, or a boozy boozy drink. And um, uh, I I have recently been playing it a lot on the TV and enjoying games on the TV again. So that's strange. I almost never play it in portable these days. Um, the other thing is just the 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 amount of support that it got. I was nervous early on uh, about whether or not we would ever see a great amount of support return to a Nintendo product. Because of the Wii U, which was had almost nothing. Well, yeah, but I mean, N64 didn't... Uh, N6, EA was of all, all in on the N64, but was kind of... Uh, I feel like they hedged their bets on the, the GameCube. Um, they did, like, the weird, like, they did some of the weird, like, off versions of the sports games, whatever. Maybe I'm losing I, I, my my point doesn't stick. But I'm surprised to see the support that they got and the amount of okay. ports that they got. Even if the 3ds was still strong, yes, with support. Um, so I think that was another big one for me. Uh, I am so surprised that everyone who uh, predicted it wrong, we will never let this go. I will never let this uh, go. came out and apologized. Uh, I was surprised <laughs> that everyone came out yeah, and was right. like, boy, I, I oh. looked like a big fucking idiot there. Like the Sony fanboys saying, oh, we should, we should have Mario games on the PS4 and things like that. Oh, yeah. I always kind of think uh, of one person in particular when I bring that up. And the thing is, is I don't 
I don't have any like ill will against that person, but it's just like what a fucking boneheaded move that. Whatever thinking of the same person, we'll discuss offline. Yeah. What a, what a boneheaded stance to have taken. Just so... Well, it was full-throated. That was yeah, the that's, point. That it, was, was, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't... Yes, it was the full-throatedness. It wasn't just that, yeah, I think uh, Nintendo should go third-party. It might be better. It was, no, Nintendo's doomed if they don't go third-party. Like, this is the this is the path. Yeah. This is the path, Ian. I want to see Star Fox on PS4 and Xbox One. Right. Like, that's how people were. And I was like, dude, fucking, like... Nintendo has more money than most most countries in you know in the world. Like, what are you talking about? They're going to be okay. They'll figure this out. Give them a little bit of rope here. They're going to be fine. The 3DS was still doing Game Busters uh, almost every year. Like, it was fine. It was fine. It was it was overreaction. It was it was panic. It was weird panic that was happening. Um, and I was also interested to see a number of genres flourish. Uh, surprised to see a number of genres flourish on the Switch, namely shooters and RPGs have done extremely, extremely well on the Switch. Um, even going back to like the early days of the Switch, starting with the CKO shooters being put on the eShop, um, and now you know Square Enix has got all these different RPGs out for it. It really has kind of it's it's a system that really does offer something for just about everyone except for the person whose diet consists entirely of military-grade first-person shooters. Gray military shooters. Um, I, I think it was it, what has impressed me, a lot of things have impressed me. Obviously, the sales is more than doubled what my prediction was on that. I was like, oh. Yeah, I, would, uh, I, I mean, I, I thought they would have done a healthy 60. I said 35 to 45, and that's a success, and it would have been a success just at that. Yeah. Um, but it's more than doubled it in hell. I mean, we end up at 120. Like, who knows? We end up like it's we're at, what, 103, 104 right now, whatever it is past this, uh, past the, uh, past the, uh, the Wii. And some people said, oh, it's never going to pass the Wii. Like a certain uh, a failed CEO of a company said, oh, it's never going to get close to the Wii. Oh, well, uh, what's impressed me is that it, it started a little bit with the Wii U, but since the Wii U never got out of the gate, really, Nintendo has really gone back and it lines up with the age range. Of like the Switch was the first console where like if you grew up with the NES, uh, you might have a family now. Like you might have a family with kids. Sure. And it's like and they, they do it in their marketing too, with like oh we're playing a Mario game and let let dad play and show you how it's done. It, they really leaned into the retro gaming stuff the past five years, starting with the NES Classic, which came out only months uh, before, already six years ago almost before the. The Switch it came out uh, the, in late 2016. They really started to lead into. We have to. We have to not just go back to nostalgia. We need to go back to the vault, and 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 get get people involved. And it, it helped because I think the Switch. Yes, it would have been a success with just kids. You needed the parents though to buy in, and the older folks, us old older ass thirty people, yeah, to buy into it to make it this big of a success. Um, and that's what happened. And and the past years, we bring up all these collections. That have come out, and obviously, um, you, you have hell the fucking the Genesis games being offered on Switch Online, Switch Online itself, uh, NES games, Super Nintendo on N sixty four. It's really been nice to see that, and with Nintendo's track record before the Switch, it, yes, I did NES remix, but that was like a weird one off uh, to me. Really was happy to see, and that was surprising me to see Nintendo lead into it that much, where they said, okay, this is sort of the thing uh, a la carte. For the most part, people don't want that. We're going to offer a more of a range here with that, and that was that was nice to see. That that was nice to see that because it made sense. I would have preferred that they kept with the virtual console style of single purchases, but teach their own. That's not. I mean, we're in a world now with streaming and sure 
you buy pay one price you, you get want a bunch packages of stuff. i know yeah. people want packages different world than 15 years ago a lot different pre-smartphone world pre sure. pre-streaming world a lot's changed the past even uh 10 years there so that surprised me um what kind of surprised or not impressive surprised me the re-embracement of nintendo as like the family sort of leader of video games like in the larger culture obviously tons of sales helped that uh, if you did not have the success of the, of the Switch that's happened the past years, I don't think you'd see all these Universal parks opening up like this. If it was, if it was, if it was like only fifteen million Switch or twenty million, I don't think you'd see all these parks open up. I, you wouldn't see a Mario movie uh, being made. Most likely, it would have been like, oh, Nintendo's nice, but sure, they know their place, sort of, sort of thing. Or you wouldn't see this all happening so quickly, at least. Yeah, um, seeing Animal Cross uh, Crossing get into the, I mean, mainstream public was shocking to me. And obviously the pandemic uh, helped with that, but that was all over the place. What's for... that animal crossing? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I you hate to talk about COVID in any positive light, but for Nintendo COVID oh. was a positive. Yes. Um, and absolutely. Uh, and this is where Pactor was wrong. Um, two one things, of the many things, one of the many things, but uh, the, the the ability to use that system as both a portable and a home console, I'm sure made that an easy purchase for a lot of people because they saw it as they, they saw it as multi-valued. Um, and then two, Animal Crossing. Um, I, I love Animal Crossing. I love the characters in theory. The most recent one was not my favorite. Uh, it would have done well without uh, COVID, but it absolutely would not have sold anywhere near what it sold if it did not come out when we were all locked down oh, for two to three months. Absolutely not. You're, absolutely not. The attach rate on that game is... I. I I would love to take them. I, I should look into it. I want to know what the highest attach rate ever is for for, 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 for a game that you had to buy with the system that you had to buy. It didn't come with the system. I want to know what the highest attach rate ever is. And then I want to know how much animal crossing beats it by because nothing's ever, there's never going to be an attach rate like that again. It's insane. What, what's it at? I don't know. I just, I haven't looked at it New in a horizons. while, but it was, it was, it was when it came out, it was like, it was an over 50% attach oh, you rate. you mean just for the time, not historic, just for the time? Well, historically, yeah. it's still going to be very good, but at the time, at the time, it was at the time when that game uh, came out, it was like, I think we were at 60 million uh, units sold in uh, two years? Of, of, of the system. three years. I think we we're at 60 million, and I think they said something like 38, like they did, I think it was something really weird, like like crazy, like 38 million fucking copies of Animal Crossing or something. Okay. If you want to look that up. It came up. out March 20th. Um it obviously got great reviews. It was all over the place. I mean, freaking uh, presidential campaign used it as a marketing tool. I mean, that was like, like really? Like, I, yeah. That's how mainstream it got. Uh, where are the sales numbers here? Why are they not coming up uh, here? Uh, New Horizon sales numbers. So for a while, I remember, I remember we discussed it, Ian, where it, when, it passed, when it passed Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, th- you got to take this, uh, this, this seriously. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Twenty two point four million units sold is how many it's sold. But versus how many switches were at the time. Time. That was insane. That's like oh you say that there was sixty, that's over a third. Yeah. I thought that's, it was over half. So I was wrong. And but still. And that's nuts for a game like that that was never a hugely popular game. It, yeah. was, it was all right. It did okay, obviously, but it was it wasn't like Oh my God! This is the game everyone has to buy. I thought it definitely. Uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe has now surpassed it at twenty six point uh, seven four, but it it uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is nineteen point nine million. Oh, oh, it sold. Th- okay, you were 
way off, Ian. It was way higher. It sold 37.62 million copies worldwide. Oh, okay. And, and it broke the console game record. Let's see. Console game record for most digital units sold in a single month. The console game record. Not Nintendo. The console game record? Oh, Holy. I'm sorry. I'm looking at something from August 6, 2020. So, yeah. My numbers are way off. It's, that was like closer to when it was actually happening. It sold the console game record. Wow. For digital sales sold in a month. Okay, yeah, so this was before it blew up, blew out. The second best-selling game on the Switch, the best-selling game of all time in Japan. Of That's all it. time. Of all time. And the third the the 13th best-selling video game in history. Animal Crossing. Yeah. It's crazy. So that was shocking. Yep. No, certainly was shocking. People needed something to do, like you said. Probably like, oh, this is a cute looking game. I'm home alone. I ain't doing anything. Yep. You, you can go. You can interact with people. Yep. In the game, if you you couldn't go outside during some lock, visit friends. It was a perfect storm of of sort of weird shit happening in the world with a game that was sort of like uh, tailored for that. If that makes sense, like you couldn't have dreamt a better scenario to re- release that game. Of course, it was horrible. The pandemic, but like for Nintendo, like not in the pandemic, they wouldn't have done even I don't forty percent of that. Like, not even close. Yeah. Yep. It's done thirty-seven point six two million worldwide. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was in the thirties. I'm literally looking at something. Now, obviously, like, it didn't do all that the first year, no, no. but the majority of that was the first year, and that's a huge. Well, this I'm looking at right now. This this the article that I looked at being from August twenty twenty would have been. Four months, five months Four after months its release, five, five and it had after. already sold twenty two point four million units. That's that's insane. That's boggling. That's insane to do that. So that that was obviously uh, shocking uh, to us, and and that probably helped Switch sell more because people found out about the game, and you know what I mean. It was like a feedback loop sort of thing. Yeah, it became it became it became a, a killer app. Yes, like for the first time, Animal Crossing is a killer app. Yeah. So the next time Animal Crossing comes out, it's going to do huge, just regardless. Mm-hmm. It's it's now Mario Kart, which is weird weird to say that. So, any, anything else that sort of uh, surprised or impressed you in five years? No, yeah, that's about it. That's that's about it. That's about it. So so great. Obviously, gangbuster sales, uh, third party uh, attachment, uh, leaning into the retro game stuff and nostalgia and offerings more than I even thought they would. Uh, Animal Crossing. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been impressed. I was also, uh, I think, I think Switch, uh, the Switch Online service, um, didn't surprise people. Might have surprised people that took Nintendo a, a, sort of longer than they should to get there. But you know, Nintendo comes around eventually. Maybe eventually comes around. <laughs> splish splash! I was taking the bath and I noticed I had beautiful balls. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist hygiene, are turning men's shower dreams into their favorite routine with the new Ultra Premium Collection. This all-in-one hygiene skin and hair bundle is designed to upgrade the everyday man's shower routine from head to toe. Your skin, hair, and balls deserve this. Save big by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST. 
Let me walk you through the Manscaped shower routine. Do it here. All right, step by step. Step one, lather on the cologne-infused ultra-premium body wash with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean and moisturized all day. Not sure if you heard that correctly, but this body wash is cologne-infused, so that special someone in your life will absolutely love it. Step two, it's hair care time. Apply the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner that cleans and nourishes in one step. The non-greasy formula has a base of coconut water, green tea, aloe, turmeric, and sage. Step three, once you hop out of the shower, protect yourself from BO by applying the Manscaped Aluminum-Free Deodorant. This deodorant dries clear and is also cologne-infused. Step four, you got tattoos? Dry skin? Let's hit your skin with that hydrating body moisturizing spray. Step five, apply the Manscaped Lip Balm. This is a free gift when you purchase the Ultra Premium Collection. Last but not least, we're using the Lawnmower 4.0 Electric Trimmer to clean off any unwanted body hair. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof, so you you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine. Although your balls might look like punching bags, don't treat them like one and benefit from the proprietary skin-safe technology. This new bundle will change your life, and I want all of my listeners out there to live their best lives. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. It's time to get wet and clean with your new Manscaped shower routine. Uh, we got voicemails, Ian. We do. Where do you go? Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go. You play voicemails. Uh, and you have fun there. Try to keep them short and sweet unless there's a unless there's a uh, extenuating circumstances like maybe this one right here that we start off with. And now an excerpt from the Intellivision Amico Club on Facebook. And I quote, Imagine how having Amico on the market would increase the quality of all games. I bet the other consoles would find challenging to compete with the passion of the Amico developers. Some may laugh or say I troll here. No! Imagine competing with the games like before that are made of 110% pure passion. They can have 50 million budget. I bet on the four devs making a game for the Amico. It may sound surreal, but it's true. Just honest here where my bet is for best game. End quote. This has been an excerpt from the Intellivision Amico Club on Facebook. When you um, think about how far this was allowed to get, and you, you and you're like, how does that happen? Because there's people like that left comments like that that exist. Yes, that are marks that allowed this to get to a point where in any rational world it would never get to. They have convinced themselves that Shark Shark is a a, a cultural milestone. Yes, it's their it's their Animal Crossing, Ian. Yes. It's going to be enjoyed by 50 million people are going to play. They literally think things like that. It's it's bizarre, but that's that's true. There's posts like that. There was one that said like uh, uh, like like Pat Contry, uh, Amico isn't just a console; it's an idea, and you can't just, kill ideas. You yes. can't kill an idea or something like that. It's yeah, like, it was a really dumb quote to begin with. I, I saw that. I, said, I don't have to kill anything. The market's deciding to kill it. Yeah, I don't have to do anything myself. The market has decided that it shouldn't exist. The market has spoken. And, or excuse me, or, or especially the investors have, de- have decided that. All right. What's the uh, the next one here? Pat, Ian, this is Matt from Rochester, New York again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, I know it's kind of after the fact, but since you've told them before you left the store, any other run-ins with uh, some past tales from the game store people like uh, the Odd Family? Some of the old couples, or even Milkman. Thanks, guys. See ya. 
No, I haven't really run into any of like the old stranger customers because um, honestly, a lot of those customers were uh, residents of the neighborhood that those stores were in. And I don't live near either of the stores. Uh, when the stores were in Ocean Beach, I you know saw a lot of those people every day. But uh, the adventure. Huh? The adventure. The adventure. Yeah. Actually, I only saw him once. Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mark S. Um, so, no, I have not run into any of those people. Oh, hey, Pat. And Ian, uh, this is your weird friend from Canada named Peter. He's got a question for you. Well, I do. Anyways, are there any video games that you think you've played that were just so terrible they should be removed from history? (laughs) Erased from existence? I don't know about that. Uh, Weird Uh, friend Peter. No, I I haven't. I haven't played anything uh, that was bad enough that I'd need it removed from history because it's kind of fun to marvel at a bad game. Uh, Yeah, I mean, nothing that I've been like... I just that 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 is that's too much focusing on the negative and not enough on the positive. If I'm playing a bad game, I go. I can play a more fun I, game. Not I need to eradicate this. I don't think we need a digital book burning there. Yeah, there. I think I think art should exist, bad or good. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. This is Eric from Missouri. Missouri. Um, in regards to an episode that was released a couple of weeks ago, you had both stated that you hadn't seen any of the Wisdom Tree games for sale out in the wild when you were kids. I have, and where I've noticed them is at the Christian bookstores. Um, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, and my family is religious, and we would go to the Christian bookstore in our local mall, and that's where I saw the Bible games being sold. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you're in the the Bible Belt... There's a lot more of those Christian bookstores. Where I grew up in, in uh, Central Jersey, there was one I, I I mean one I knew of off Route One, uh, not far from the Toys R Us. If you grew up in Central Jersey, you know what I'm talking about. Never went in there because why would you? Uh, I mean, because we didn't. It's it's where we talk about that. Like like um, I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school. Never would dream of going in a Christian bookstore. Still, just was something we didn't do. Yeah. So uh, they might have sold them there. They probably did. I just. Yeah, I never saw them for sale. However, what I don't think I ever mentioned was I did see them available for rent um, because I did play them as a kid. Like I I actually played a couple of those, uh, including spiritual warfare. I played it as a kid um, because my buddy's family was religious. They went to church every Sunday and they had like a little... I would call it like a little Christian reading room or something like that, you know, like in the church. And I, they, because I remember my buddy pointing him out to me is like, Oh, this is where I rent them from. And there was like four or five wisdom tree games in a glass case. And you had to get someone and be like, can I, you said this was at the church. This was at the church. And you know, you'd borrow it for the week and then take it back to church the next week when you dropped it off. But they weren't for sale. They were just for rent. They were just for rent. I never, I never did see them for sale. Christian NES rentals. Yep. Yeah. And that's all they had. They just had the wisdom tree. I mean, I found my blue, once I started going on TSR's NES archive and discovering about these games, I found I couldn't believe it. I knew I was searching for them. I was like, okay, these these Wisdom Tree games exist. I had no idea, obviously. I found one at a Funko Land in Jersey, a, a baby blue one. I saw it on the shelf and I was shocked. So obviously they people got them in Jersey. The blue harder to find or easier to find? It's about I think it's actually easier to find it than the black one because it's different shape. Yeah, part. I think the blue one came into Luna more often. I mean the black one always came in too, but I think the blue one was more common. Okay, uh, next one here. 
Hi Pat, hi Ian. Uh, Mick here from Glasgow, Scotland. Quick message mainly aimed at Ian, but of course Pat, feel free to weigh in. So we all know that Streets Rage 4 is an amazing game, but we can't quite call it the best game of all time until one character returns. Ian, how do we get Skate back in now with Cherry's taking his quick character role and without him feeling like a 90s product placement? You're laughing on that. What did he say exactly? Skate. He wants, and he now wants... that Cherry's taking his quick character role and without him feeling like a 90s product placement. <laughs> Cheers, guys. All the best. Is it the one on the rollerblades? Yeah. Skate's. Okay. Literally. His name's Skate. Okay. I'm just making sure. Come on, Pat. I'm making sure, Ian. Connect God. the dots. I connected them. As Vincent D'Onofrio used to say in the ad for Law and Order Criminal Intent. What a great he held show. up the, the pickle. Connect the dots. What a great show the first few years. Yeah. Oh, I loved watching Super Sleuth D'Onof. That was great. Sorry, go on. That's it. Oh yeah, I mean Skate's great. I, I, I would love to see. <laughs> I would love to see Skate in, in it. I don't think we're going to get anything more for for four. I would love to see an announcement for Streets of Rage Five though. Hi, Ian and Pat. It's Aaron from Deerham in the UK again. I just wondered if you think there is a stigma collecting and playing retro games compared to modern releases. I think a trend in mini consoles has helped a bit to make classic games a little bit more uh, mainstream. However, I've noticed when I mention collecting is my hobby and invite friends and colleagues to retro games nights, I do get the odd belittling response, suggesting a man of my age should leave his uh, youth in the past. I just wondered if you've both experienced anything similar and if you ever question what you do as a hobby. Personally, I think old games are like old films. Yes, there are better special effects with modern films, but you still can't beat what you know and love. Here's the thing. We take for granted that most people we know are into what we are into, but yes, the vast majority of the world would look at us like for retro games like as an oddity or like question it. And, I, and when I go to family, well, I, so he's talking about retro game players compared to to modern game. Sure, I I, I do, I, but it's the same thought process. Clearly, though, there are. I mean, all you have to do is look on Twitter because there's always those people looking for attention. But there are clearly people who think video games are for children and should be left in the past. Um, however, I do think that. I don't think there is a stigma anymore, but there was a point in time where, yes, playing old video games literally got me made fun of in high school. And I remember getting made fun of in public once at a GameStop for going through the NES games by someone who was buying like something for the PS2 or something. So, yes, there, there, there did used to be people who would like look down upon you within the video game playing and collecting community. Uh, they'd look down on you for doing the retro games. Now, I think that's less of a thing. I think video game players, I, I, I think, you know. People who are into games are into games, and I think that's a lot. I think it's a uh, a big hug of a group. But yes, there are obviously people out there who are going to tell you that video games are a waste of time, and to them I say, fuck them. Is that an untold tale from a game store? Not your game store. No. Damn it. Nope. You never told, you never told, you never told me that story before. You got made fun of in a GameStop? I thought I made it. Yeah, so, so I was in high school, and some kid was like, ooh, looking at the fucking Nintendo games, huh? <laughs> And I told him to eat shit, and then he bought his fucking Madden or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, this would have been 99 or 2000, yeah. It wasn't even that old. It was like eight years old. Yeah. You know, nine, ten years old. Nintendo games. Should have fought him in the parking lot. Yeah, I should have. Should have done that. That's funny as hell. What was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I forget. Hey, guys. This is Brian from Utah. Just calling with a fun question for you guys. We'll be the judge. My wife works at a senior center where, uh, you know, seniors can come from the community community and get lunch and participate in some activities like boggle, billiards, pottery, and quilting. Now, my question is, things are going to be different in the future for us. 
what does the completely unnecessary elderly folks home look like? <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Um, so 40 years from now. We bowling, little Mario. I don't think it's going to be we bowling. No. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be switch bowling or whatever the super switch bowling is. Instead of uh, quilting, uh, Perler Beat Art will be the uh, big Perler, thing. <laughs> where's, my, where's my duck hunt dog? Perler oh. Beat Art will be big. Look what I did in Norway. Look what I did in Norway. You yeah. did that in Norway? Yeah. yeah. I did a good job. Thank you, Ian. Wow, Ian complimented me. Better than my dad complimenting me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there'll be some video games. People still play board games. Board games are always popular. That's like universal. People love playing board games. It just especially word um, games. They keep your head sharp. They're easy to learn. So yeah, we we'll be playing Wordle when we're eighty. Yeah. <laughs> When's that gonna fad gonna end? Is that gonna end? Is that gonna be off my Twitter fucking anytime soon? No, and I think it won't because it's hard to get burnt out on it if you play it. It's a fun word game. You turn it on. You play it for five minutes. You shut it off. That's awesome. I don't need to. I don't need to see your sharing your, so your you, failures then, then, or then, wins. Then, then use the mute function. Okay. I'm going to start muting all my friends, Ian. Mute the word Wordle. You can mute words. Oh, I know you know you mute Wordle. What if there, but if something what if what if like something happens where there's like a Senator Wordle? I want I want <laughs> Senator Wordle. It's the risk you're going to take. The risk I'm going to take. Next one from uh, Tanner. Hey Pat and Ian, this is Tanner from Tennessee. Uh, so my question is: Have you ever had a game that you like to play during a specific time of year or season, whatever? Uh, for me, it's Mother One, uh, aka Earthbound Beginnings, around Christmas time because the first time I ever played it was I emulated it around uh, Christmas of 2009, and since then that entire series has become one of my favorites. And I always associated the first game with the Christmas season because of that, and always try to play it around that time of year. So, thanks, guys. Love the show. Bye. Um, I. And I, I don't know exactly why, but I used to always back home in Buffalo, um, living on my own. I would always start up like a new Dragon Warrior one game whenever the snow would fall. Oh, okay. Generally, I don't know why. I think because I just liked the snow outside. Uh, you know, get the windows open so I could see the snow. Throw the game on, put music on, and I, I used to run through that game pretty frequently. And it always seemed to be when it was snowy out. But no, I don't think there's any games that I particularly play. You know, by season. Other than that one, uh, it's weird out that that freaking Super Nintendo Days Before Christmas game. Every time around Christmas, I'm gonna think about that game. Obviously, it's a Christmas game, but the, that I did that freaking video and got it out literally two hours before my flight was leaving to go back home before the pandemic. Mm. I visited my parents right before the pandemic, and something told me to go see them. Not saying I'm psychic, but sometimes a little bit. And um, that was that's always around Christmas. I think about that dumb game now and that haunting soundtrack. Mm. Did you ever see that video, Ian? No. Okay, next one. We'll do a couple more. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Pat from New York. Hey, Pat from New York. My question for you guys is, had the COVID pandemic not happened, what market position would Nintendo find themselves in today? Or what percentage of their success do you believe they would have achieved? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. It's always tough to quantify that since it was doing well for the first few years. Um, it got a shot in the arm. Yeah, it, it's it, not like it was doing bad, and then COVID came along, and it suddenly did great. It was doing well. It, it basically put it out of stock again, right? It was right, stock exactly. It out of stock again for like a year. Um, it's tough to quantify. Maybe they would have lost 25 30%. I don't know. Like, like I have no idea. It's, it's so hard to quantify something like that. It's tough. The system was selling at a fast enough rate. It was always in stores, but the, like you said, when it 
when uh, COVID hit, it drained it again. Um, and they didn't get a lot of units. They didn't get a ton of units out to meet that new demand. So I don't know that they really lost. Well, the factories were shut down for at least two, three months. Right. In, so in they China. lost sales, but I don't know that they really like gained a whole lot because they didn't have the stuff to sell. Do you get what I'm saying? They sure. didn't have the stuff to sell. I think, I, I think it would be less, but I don't think it would necessarily be drastically less for systems. However, I think there are certain games with sales numbers that absolutely, we already talked about this earlier. There are definitely games, yeah. I think, I think games saw a huge boost in sales numbers. And there are probably a lot of people that if you look at people who bought the Switch during the pandemic, they probably have more games with that system than the average person who buys a system with games. You think so? They, they because went out and bought they, like three, four, five games immediately. Instead of maybe one or two uh, to keep themselves occupied. So I think um, I think games probably experienced a, a definite bump in numbers, but it's tough to say with the system because it's not like they immediately had those systems to sell to fill the demand. You had a stimulus, a couple of stimuli, stimuli that helped. People had more True. money to spend and some of the money went could have went towards that uh, right there. Um, sales per there's a little uh, I looked up switch attached rate Ian if you mm -hmm. if you Google that you can see the top result and you can there's actually a little scale there for um, the time period of sales per hardware seven point four seven point four yeah it's so a, seven games per system purchased is is now is now yes so um, well I don't know I'm I'm looking that is from uh, February third twenty twenty two yeah okay. So that might have been bumped from the, because of the pandemic by a couple. Yeah. That's not bad. Like almost eight? Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. I think on average, it's usually like five, I think is what they say. It's pretty good. So there, there you have it. Obviously, there's some digital titles that are, are less money, but they probably don't count like, I don't think count the cheaper stuff versus the, the heavy hitters for that. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I have no idea. But all right. Well, do you want, you want to check in with uh, Yeah, let's check in. With someone else here. Oh, gosh. Thanks a lot for meeting with me, Tony. No problem, I don't Tommy. Know who else to talk to? Everything is falling apart now. We're just bleeding money. We can't do anything with what we have. And we're... you're not recording this, are you? No, no, I'm not recording nothing, Tommy. Okay, you better not be because this is a quiet period for me, Tony. I... Right? I am being quiet right now. I know, I, I could see that. Ugh, and that deal with Sadesh, that's gonna that's gotta be one of the worst deals ever made. Like I I feel like the New York Mets and he's Bobby Bonilla. Uh... I mean there's just no question who the sucker was. And I was not in my right mind. He knew I wasn't. He knew I was out all night with Miyamoto son and I was really fucked up. He knew it, and he preyed on me when I was at my most vulnerable. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you laughing right now? No, no, I'm not laughing. Son of a bitch, you are recording this. No, I'm not. Tony. Pat, uh, that pasta you were asking about is Metsi Rigatoni. What? <laughs> what? Hey, Tony, thanks for that. What did he say? <laughs> Metsi Rigatoni. That's, uh, that's the pasta. Uh, I was talking about last week. Thank you, Tony, for that. And thanks, for that candid conversation. Wow, things are getting rough, rough between the cousins there. Yeah, it is. Things are getting rough there. Well, that's it for the podcast. That's it. We're done. It was a fun one. Yeah. Ian was annoyed at me because I, I brought up uh, the Star Wars uh, Star Wars Hotel before jumping right into the plug. Yeah. It kind of ruined it. Your your mind was saying you didn't. You gotta always gotta re. You gotta look at the, the show topic list. Ian, I, I switched things around. I did look at it. I wasn't expecting it to be switched in the prior 10 seconds. I thought because I had a real good one. Because it made sense to transition from a, a theme park to theme hotel. It sure did. Even though no one's going to go to the Star Wars. They're not. No one's going to that. All right. Cowabunga, dudes. I'm out. We'll see you later.